We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. Good morning, everyone. You're tuned in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. My name's Jason Taylor, host of Evidence of Design, and I'm joined in WXIR studios by my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. Yo, yo, yo. And Mary Lawrence. Good morning. It is Saturday, April 10th, 2021. So we are live on this pretty darn beautiful spring day here in rochester it's like what it's gonna be 75 degrees again <laughs> no humidity yet so it's all great stuff to me i'm always weirded out though when it's super warm and the trees still don't have leaves on it because it's just like just feels like it should be winter and uh but i you know i can't really complain about the warmth yeah i'm relieved that it's actually spring now for it being this warm Right, because a year ago during COVID-19, when we were all cooped up inside at the start of the pandemic and things were, at least for myself, particularly scary, I remember it was pretty cold. So we had a pretty cold spring last year and it's nice now, at least so far, that we're able to be outdoors and I think that makes dealing with COVID quite a bit easier, in my opinion. So I hope things are working out for you out there uh, okay these days as vaccines are going around, as numbers uh, reportedly are going back up especially because of the more transmissible variants but i hope things are going for you all right and that you're able to enjoy some of the warmer weather while of course staying physically distant from others and wearing a mask so we're live evidence of design is all about critiquing income and wealth inequality we think there is way too much economic inequality in society we investigate its causes critique its effects and try to advocate for policies and solutions that we think would lead to a more just and equitable society for all. Thanks for joining us here. On today's episode, we are talking about failed efforts to unionize at Amazon. <laughs> so this week came out that the warehouse workers in Bessemer, Alabama, there are warehouse workers there for Amazon. They were going through a push to unionize for the past several months. And this week, the final vote tally came out, and it was essentially 70% voted not to unionize and 30% voted to unionize. So this 
fails to be the first folks in the country to be unionized Amazon employees. So Amazon wins in this case, no unions for these folks. And as of now, no unionized Amazon workers at all. Why is this significant? How does it affect even us here up in Rochester, New York? And what does it look like for the future of labor versus capital? We'll talk about all that and more on today's show. We'd love your participation. You can give us a call at 585-219-8889. Again, that's 585-219-8889. You can also email us at radioeod at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media at Radio EOD, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Mary, are we live streaming on Facebook as well? We are. We we just went live on Facebook as well, so you can join us in the comments there or watch our beautiful faces. Our ugly mugs on Facebook at Radio EOD. Mary, you're a little more optimistic about our beautiful faces. Well, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> very true, very true. So Radio EOD, you can see us live streaming from WXIR Studios as well. Lots of ways to participate here. Let's get into it, though. Matt, should we talk about culture wars first, or should we just talk about Amazon employees? Whatever you want to do. Let's talk about Amazon. Let's save the culture wars for later. Because we all know that culture wars are the sports of politics. And, oh golly, I just am so excited to talk about the latest culture war. Let's save that for later. Let's get into Amazon. As we were saying, this week the final vote came out in a push for Amazon warehouse workers in Bessemer, Alabama to unionize. It would have been the first time that employees of Amazon were unionized in the United States. But the effort failed. Workers were proposing to unionize with the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. The final vote tally, around 70% against unionizing, 30% in support of unionizing. So it is a big victory for Amazon. And potentially, right, potentially, one could argue it is a loss for workers. Now, the easiest counter-argument to that is saying, how is this a loss for workers when the workers themselves were the ones to vote on their own future, right? The workers themselves voted, should we unionize or should we not? The workers voted not to unionize. However, there are widespread allegations that Amazon played too much of a heavy hand in these unionization efforts, meaning Amazon was very uh, forceful, propagandistic, uh, perhaps manipulative, perhaps rigged the scales to be in favor of uh, maybe forcing their employees to vote no. Now, I am not suggesting that all of the workers in this Bessemer plant or, the, or most of the workers themselves did not come to their own rational conclusions that they based off of their own material self-interest, right? I don't know. I'm not a worker there, not an on-the-ground employer there. I'm just sort of talking about a lot of things that have been reported on. We'll get into the specifics in just a minute, how Amazon has taken a very heavy-handed approach against these unionization efforts. And this is consistent with their past actions against any other efforts to unionize uh, for unionization among its workers. So did Amazon play too much of a heavy hand? Well, we'll actually find out because according to the National Labor Relations Act, the, the kind of main piece of legislation that governs unionization, either side, so either the employer or the union, may object to the results 
of uh, the vote. Just like how there's checks and balances in almost all aspects of our government, there are kind of checks and balances here, you know, same in our court system. So if one side doesn't like the result, they can kind of appeal it. So the uh, union in this case is appealing the decision. This again is the retail, wholesale and department store union. And they are saying that they are objecting to the results and appealing it to the National Labor Relations Board because, quote, to determine if the results of the election should be set aside because conduct by the employer created an atmosphere of confusion, coercion, and or fear of reprisals and thus interfered with the employee's freedom of choice. So they're arguing, the union here, that Amazon again had too much of a heavy hand and coerced employees into voting no against the unionization efforts. That would not be a huge surprise. Amazon doesn't exactly have a good track record when it comes to supporting unions. No, they don't. They've taken a very heavy-handed approach against unions in the past. For instance, at previous plants and warehouses where workers have uh, tried to unionize before, Amazon has threatened to close those plants. I, I believe that's illegal. Like you can't, Employers can't have tit-for-tat reprisals against unionization efforts but amazon yeah that goes against the department of labor right but amazon you know of course they're saying well it's a, it, this plant is not meeting whatever standards or visionary uh inventive <laughs> goal that we have at amazon and so you know we're, we, we would close the plant so obviously there's a lot of gray area here there's a lot of nuance to say that that gives employers the ability to have plausible deniability and this happens time and time again with those in power in our society is People try to have as much plausible deniability as possible. That means they can get away with doing whatever they want to do without being held accountable. There's two things that Amazon can't stand in this world, and that's unions and toilets. <laughs> Why toilets, Matt? What's that? Why toilets? Tell us about the toilet. Uh, you know, just, uh, <laughs> it, it cuts down on productivity when uh, employees are allowed to take a bathroom break. <laughs> of course, I think you're citing recent reports that uh, many Amazon employees, particularly uh, you know drivers, have to uh, pee in bottles because they don't have enough time to take breaks because uh, Amazon uh, tracks their every movements and productivity standards, so to speak, and threatens them <laughs> if they don't work fast and hard enough. Meaning they can't go to the bathroom. And is now putting cameras in their cars. That, yeah. That monitor their every move. Yeah. I mean, it's been for even, you know, postal drivers, I think. It's been commonplace for at least a decade now for all sort of delivery folks to have uh, GPS systems track where they are, what they're doing. You know, I mean, police officers have this too, I believe. And so it's just a very much surveillance form of, of labor. And one could argue that's a good thing because we want accountability, say, for officers or or, or, you know, employees in general, but also you could argue it's a bad thing because, well, do you want to be surveilled constantly by your employer? Can't you just be trusted to, like, deliver mail, you know, to deliver packages? So, yeah, being a delivery person and being a police officer is not the same thing. Right. And both, however, are, are fraught with a lot of, well, a lot of really interesting ways, you know, a lot of interesting things that we have to figure out what works best for laborers or capitalists in the 21st century. So we're talking on today's show on Evidence of Design and 100.9 FM WXIR about the decision by Amazon employees in Bessemer, Alabama to not unionize. 
So the union is alleging that Amazon have a heavy had a heavy handed practice to repress essentially the vote to unionize. Let's talk about some of the allegations against Amazon. One of the things receiving a lot of press is Amazon's pushing, pressuring of the U.S. Postal Service to install a modified mailbox on the Bessemer, Alabama site right before the union vote. So Amazon was pushing to have a modified mailbox installed on their site so that employees could drop off their ballots, their union ballots, in that mailbox. Why is this a problem? Well, the National Labor Relations Board, again, that's kind of the board that oversees unionization efforts in the United States, they pushed for what I think is something that's pretty regular is to have union ballots be dropped in the mail only. As in, you know, employees themselves would mail it on their own time or in their own fashion, not through the employer's site. Why is because this creates a level of essentially independence. You could quickly see how there might be a conflict of interest to dropping off your ballot on whether or not to unionize vis-a-vis your employer on your employer's private property. And so Amazon sent emails, text messages to its employees to say, please vote no, drop it off in this convenient mailbox on our site right here. And so there, uh, there are reports of employees saying they felt scared. You know, they, they were worried that Amazon would be reviewing the ballots dropped off in that mailbox. And there have been, through freedom of information requests, uh, emails that have come out between Amazon and the, uh, the United States Postal Service showing that Amazon had heavily pushed to have that modified mailbox installed right before the election where people were allowed to vote in early February. You know, Jason, this point reminds me of another article I had read a while ago. Uh, This is on The Verge. There was reporting that Amazon had requested that the traffic lights in Bessemer also be changed. That the the amount of time between red and green lights be shorter. And, you know, Amazon had many other reasons for requesting this. uh, You know, saying that they needed workers to be able to get in more quickly during major hours. But what ended up happening is that during this union drive, you know, a a huge opportunity for union workers and and union activists to talk to people is on their way into work when they're stopped at a traffic light. And by changing the traffic light, like the amount of time for the traffic lights, that decreased the amount of time that union workers were able to actually talk to people who were going into work uh, so that fewer people had information about the union. Mary, that's just what was coming up next. That is a great point. Yeah, so Amazon, just like how they put pressured the Postal Service to install a modified mailbox, they also pressured the local government to change the traffic light timing at the main intersection between the Amazon warehouse facility and like the, the, the major road that one would leave or enter the, the facility. So they changed the intersection, or they changed the light timing such that it was green more often during shift changes when workers were leaving the plant. So that means that there was less time that workers were sitting at red light (laughs) at the intersection where labor organizers often were stationed to try to communicate with the employees. 
why would labor organizers be standing at an intersection outside of the Amazon warehouse facility? Why don't they just walk inside the facility? Well, to my understanding, to my limited understanding about this, mind you, is that labor organizers can't just walk around anywhere they want to because, you know, it's private property. Can you just walk into uh, Walmart HQ and pressure employees to union uh, to form a union? No. So there are uh, stipulations on the amount of time that labor organizers and other folks might try to engage with the employees on company property. Now, that's probably the most convenient place, right, to engage with employees to form a union on the company property because they're all there and that's where the, the activities that the union would have jurisdiction over would take place. But labor organizers don't have free access to the place in question. So many of them, Mary, were stationed kind of at that you know, intersection, for instance, at times to try to engage employees. And there is evidence to suggest that Amazon knew this and that Amazon purposely changed the traffic light to make it harder to have labor organizers communicate with and connect with employees at this Amazon warehouse facility in Bessemer, Alabama. So, so far we've talked about Amazon's efforts to install a mailbox on site to have employees drop off their ballots, which might be interpreted as a pressure and a fear campaign to have employees think that their ballots are either being watched uh, by Amazon. There's also the allegation that Amazon changed the traffic light timing to make it harder for labor organizers to connect with and communicate with employees. There is also just the repeated uh, uh, propagandizing by Amazon uh, to its employees. They sent them repeated text messages, emails, flyers around the facility, uh, and distributed pamphlets expressly urging its employees to vote no. So vote no on the union. They were claiming that if you vote for the union, they'll just be stealing your dues. You're just giving away you know, $500 a year to this union. You're funding something that's not in your interest. Vote no, vote no, vote no. Uh, I don't think it's illegal for an employer to expressly tell its employees not to form a union. So I think Amazon can just do that. They can text, email, pamphlet, poster their employees all they want to form a union. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I, I'm not an expert on the National Labor Relations Board or, or Labor Act, but um, clearly there's express evidence that Amazon has done this, and I haven't heard calls that saying this is a legal activity. I mean, they're certainly not the only company that is actively anti-union. I, I, I've heard that Wegmans, too, like in your orientation, will be extremely anti-union. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think if it was a legal... We would see a lot more talk about it, not just about Amazon. Right. Uh, Walmart, too. You know, Walmart, there's no unionized Walmart employees, to my knowledge. They've been very anti-union, too. So uh, another piece of evidence that perhaps Amazon was heavy-handed to prevent this unionization effort was that they held mandatory information sessions for their employees where management was there to uh, expressly tell employees why unions are bad and that they would, you know, forcibly make them pay dues to it. It was essentially mandatory meetings you have to go to to hear your bosses and supervisors tell you not to do this thing. It was like uh, abstinence-only education during the era of George W. Bush. <laughs> right, where just, this is what it is. If you vote for this, you will you will literally <laughs> contract a disease or die. <laughs> you, know? you are going to burst into flames. <laughs> and also God is uh, unfavor. God doesn't favor <laughs> you know, unions <laughs> or something like that, right? So we're, we're joking here, but 
Um, the, the problem that's with, right God <laughs> actually does favor unions does he Mary is that in is that in jobs we have it on paper it's in the of, bible the book of jobs <laughs> the book of jobs yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've read the bible you know I, I, I'm, just, I'm just quoting Trump <laughs> jobs is in the bible so you know it's good <laughs> I'm just quoting Donald Trump people <laughs> so uh, you know wh- why is this an issue of Amazon telling its employees that uh, they'll be forced to pay union dues because it's not true because that's a lie. Because in a, in a red state like Alabama, in a so-called right-to-work state that conservatives have pushed so hard to pass legislation to make the state called right-to-work, what does that mean? In a right-to-work state, unionized employees are not obligated to pay union dues to receive the benefits that they would receive for the union's contract. So normally when you join a union, a small part of your pay is taken out for union dues so that the union can fund its organizing efforts so that you can have better pay, better benefits, and better worker protections. That's how a union typically works. However, conservatives and Republicans have been pushing against unions and organized labor for, well, the the modern history of the Republican Party for decades and decades. And so they've pushed in their latest, you know, one of their latest incarnations against organized labor, so-called right to work, meaning okay, well, look, uh, we've found a bunch of judges to say, uh, or politicians to say that it's illegal for unions to make you pay dues, but you'll still be fo- the unions will still have to be forced to give you the protections that they've negotiated with the employer. So it's essentially free riding, right? You can be a part of the union, you can get the benefits, you can get the better pay, you can get the vacations, but you don't have to pay the dues. And so it's just really funny how the argument that Amazon used in Alabama for its employees is that they're being forced to pay hundreds of dollars a year in dues that don't benefit them isn't even true thanks to conservatives <laughs> passing legislation to make that not true. You, you know, know, which we should point out, by the way, is part of the reason why unions are so much less powerful than they used to be. Yeah, because of hamstring budgets. You know, that's one of the reasons, yeah. It also is basically the same reason that Republicans use for not wanting to pay taxes. It's like you need, the union needs to have some sort of funding in order to be able to negotiate with a company that has billions of dollars at its disposal in the same way that like we need taxes to have infrastructure, but you have to, People have to actually be able to pay those taxes in order to get the money to make things function. So, you know, it's, it's like the same argument all over again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the idea that, uh, you know, you don't need to pay taxes. How does it benefit you? Uh, well, everything, you know, <laughs> roads, bridges, schools, hospitals, public health, defense and infrastructure, uh, research and developments. You know, social and cultural capital, right? But but all of that, and so the idea is no, 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 no. You you don't have to be forced to do that. It, it's just sort of a, a bunch of hogwash. So so I think this is one of the most um, egregious areas for me in, in Amazon's efforts here is sort of its uh, blatant lies about unionized employees being forced to pay hundreds of dollars to unions. I mean. I'm not saying I disagree with that. I'm not saying I disagree with like having to pay money to a union. I'm just saying it's really funny how like even in this super conservative world where conservatives have been successful in passing right to work laws that they're not even pretending that those laws exist, right? They're still pretending that uh, they don't exist and that 
you're still your money's still being cheated and st- st- stolen from you, even though you wouldn't have to pay those dues thanks to conservatives. You know, that's one of the most like really egregious examples I have. But unfortunately, there are more as we talk about Amazon's efforts to, well, perhaps squash efforts to unionize in Bessemer, Alabama this week on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR. We're also streaming live on Facebook at Radio EOD. You can find us on Facebook and see our mugs there. Let's talk more about what Amazon did, though, to squash the unionization efforts. This is, Matt, you're going to love this one. So there are a lot of temp workers in Amazon. So now, you know, there's there's full-time employees, there's part-time employees, there's seasonal employees, there's temp workers. So temp workers are uh, temporary workers who typically have like the lowest pay and the lowest benefits. These temp workers in question at this Bessemer, Alabama warehouse facility were not eligible to join this union uh, just, just because of their, their working status. And so they weren't in question here to, to join this union. And therefore, Amazon clothed, clothed them in a uniform with anti-union uh, pins <laughs> and apparel <laughs> to say vote no <laughs> or don't let the unions you know steal your money. <laughs> so you have I'm these... just picturing a bunch of like <laughs> scrawny like twenty year olds in like NASCAR jumpsuits that all have like patches on them that say unions are bad. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, like well, I mean, the problem is, uh, I, I think I think I've seen reports that eighty five percent of the workers at this warehouse facility were were black or African American. And uh, many of the temp workers were previously incarcerated individuals who have a hard time finding jobs anywhere else. And so Amazon will kind of scoop them up, pay them, you know, $13 an hour. Even more disgusting. (laughs) Give them no benefits. It's worse than I imagined. (laughs) Give them no benefits and then have them wear a a vote no button (laughs) as they walk around the warehouse picking up trash, you know. I just find it harder and harder to care about, you know the existential crisis that our race faces as I read about stuff like this. It's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe we deserve it. <laughs> Against like climate change or yeah. coming yeah, disaster. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's keep the list going. So this one's really interesting. I, I, I would love to learn more about this or hear anyone's thoughts who knows a lot about labor organizing or efforts. Again, 585-219-8889 is how you can call in. 585-219-8889. Eight 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 nine. So at this uh, warehouse facility in, Am- uh, in Alabama, there's, I, I think, uh, in excess of 6,000 employees. It was a pretty recent uh, warehouse that was opened up last year at the beginning of the pandemic when Amazon was really, really ramping up its, its production efforts because of, you know, the pandemic has been very lucrative for Amazon. And so... But not for its workers. Not for its workers, necessarily. And so there's maybe some 6,000-plus employees at this facility. Well, initial efforts to form a union at this facility were to include 1,500-ish employees. They were parts of specific roles or specific um, you know, employment status, full-time, say. So the, the efforts were initially to unionize 1,500 of these workers by the, again, the union that they were trying to form with was the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Well, Amazon management pushed back, which apparently companies have the right to do. This blew my mind. Amazon, the Amazon company pushed back and said, 
No, no, no. You're, you're going to have, if you're going to form a union here, it would have to include all of the workers. Not the temp workers, though, remember? <laughs> Not those temp workers. So Those aren't actual workers. <laughs> also, the, the people who we contract out to drive all our vans and stuff. Right. The people who drive Amazon trucks and wear and Amazon and clothes. And pee in bottles. <laughs> Although they're all donned out in Amazon clothing, they're, they're literally technically not Amazon employees. <laughs> yeah. They don't work here. <laughs> That's great. So um, Amazon pushed back to say, no, no, no. If you're going to form a union here, it has to include more folks. It has to include 5,800 people. Wow, why was Amazon being so generous, trying to get more people to, to be in this union? That's so kind of them. Well, oftentimes when unions are formed, I believe it's, it's in a specific group that's supposed to be targeted and organized, and, and then it typically spreads from there. So in trying to expand the unionization uh, sort of pool at this facility, they were inflating the size of the number of people, they were adding more temporary and seasonal workers who might be harder to track down and inform them about the pros or cons of unionization and even getting them to vote one way or another. So they were essentially making it harder to track, educate, and inspire folks to vote and making it hard to organize. Because again, think of the Rochester City School District. All educators aren't a part of the same union. There's like four unions in the district at least, one for administrators, one for teachers, one for uh, sort of supportive staff, and another, I think, for paraprofessionals. So at this Amazon warehouse, there was a union effort to unionize just 1,500 folks, more organized, more specific, and Amazon said, no, 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 it has to be expanded. So now it's harder to organize people around the same causes because you have more people. A full-time worker is very different than a seasonal worker or a part-time worker, right? They have different needs then it would be harder to negotiate a contract that would include everyone. So I, I don't know why this is a thing, but apparently it's legal and common for, employee, for employers to be able to tell the unionization efforts how large the union should be and who it should include. That, that boggles my mind. But Amazon won that fight, and that's why this union vote was so large for you know, uh, most of the folks at the facility, even though originally it was supposed to be much more targeted. So Amazon had a heavy hand in that as well. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. I, I do just want to mention, too, that we got a comment in the Facebook chat. Uh, it's a link to a news article, but it's a Gallup poll just talking about that labor unions remain very popular. So despite Amazon's efforts and the efforts of many companies to kind of crush unions at their inception, this is just a reminder, I think, that U.S. American voters still are very supportive of unions in this particular poll it says 65 percent. there's a 65 percent positive view on unions in general totally thanks for sharing that again you can share your thoughts with us 585-219-8889 or on our facebook at radio eod as we're live streaming absolutely unions remain popular and favorable by the vast majority of americans uh, most americans if you ask them would you rather be a member of a union or not, they'll say, yes, I'd rather be a member of a union. And we'll get to that later on the show about kind of the larger context of unionization efforts and where we go. Thanks for sharing your comment. The last thing I have to share about Amazon's efforts to potentially uh, quash the union, well, not potentially, the, uh, Amazon's efforts to quash unionization efforts in this Bessemer, Alabama plant is when uh, the votes were cast. So again, Amazon had pushed to have 
5,800-ish eligible folks to be a part of this union. So there was around 5,800 people who were eligible to cast a ballot, yes or no. Yes, I want to join the union. No, I do not. I want to you know, remain having Amazon as my sole arbiter of my you know, wages and all that stuff. That's the pool, 5,800 eligible votes. 3,200-ish votes were cast, so there was around a 56% turnout rate. Is that more or less than the last presidential election? <laughs> it's a little bit less. It, well, yeah, it's less. But 56% turnout rate, and then there was 500 at least votes that were contested, most of them by Amazon. I don't know why. I haven't seen reports of this yet. You know, I haven't done the most in-depth research, but uh, I haven't seen much reporting about why Amazon contested these ballots or how do, how do you even contest a, a ballot? You know, I'm picturing the ballot that says, does thou want to unionize, yay or nay? You know, and you just check it with a crayon. I'm sure it's more complicated than that. Uh, a little bit, you know, more information, more official, and our NLRB standards, perhaps. I don't know. But um, I'm just wondering, like, how do you get 500 ballots to be contested out of, uh, you know, 3,000 that were cast, one out of uh, six. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what was it? Was the was it not in the triple sealed envelope <laughs> like we have in our presidential elections? You know, did they uh, not sign the line with their uh, magenta blue lipstick as was in SpongeBob or something? I don't know. Did Jeff Bezos gather up a bunch of his friends and just stand outside the warehouse yelling, "Stop the count! Stop the count!" <laughs> <laughs> Right. Did did they all um, assault the Amazon HQ and then put their feet up on Jeff Bezos' desk and <laughs> wear a bunch of horns and <laughs> say conspiracy theories? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, so <laughs> I, I haven't seen yet why there is 500 ballots contested, but uh, most of them were contested by Amazon. And so I, I would be led to believe that most of those ballots are probably in favor of unionization. Now, here's the thing, though. It doesn't really matter how the math works out. Even if those 500 ballots did all turn out, say, to be in favor of unionization, it still wouldn't have been enough to change the course of the vote. Uh, I think one needed uh, more than 1,500 votes in terms of how many ballots were turned out, and that still wouldn't have been enough to change the vote. But I'm still wondering, like, why were these ballots contested? You know, did, did, were they not dropped in Amazon's brand spanking new mailbox on their facility that said, you know, of vote yes or vote no <laughs> or will it definitely didn't lead to an incinerator below <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that using the latest technology it was able to um you know infrared laser scan through the envelope and see which box was signed and if it was uh yes to unionize it just happened to be lost <laughs> i don't know um we're joking of course but that that was kind of the last odd thing that amazon was contesting uh, around 500 ballots some were contested by the union too, right? But most were contested by Amazon. Very weird. And I'd be curious if more reporting comes out about that or if it's already out to know uh, why that was. This is just a random question, but do you happen to know what other companies this particular union represents unions for? Um, I'm not sure if that came up in, in your research, but I didn't see it. Yeah, that's a great question, Mary. So I, I want to actually turn our attention to how to form a union and what some of the benefits of, of unionization might be. So I, I am no expert on unionization, I'll be honest. And uh, this is just mo the most cursory sort of piece and understanding of, of unions. But uh, there, there's if you want to form a union at a workplace, you need to first 
figure out like are there some some other folks who are interested in joining right you don't have to take a poll and get a majority off of just like do you want to unionize and no one knows what that means or how that would affect their lives right just a general interest so first is there a general interest perhaps with a few colleagues about wanting to unionize second you'd have to then identify which union you would want to join and there are a lot of different unions out there and uh, for instance there are the communication workers of america they represent telecommunications, customer service, broadcasting. Hey, that's us. Uh, public sector. <laughs> <laughs> We're volunteers. We don't want you. <laughs> Healthcare. <laughs> Taking up a petition. <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt's forming a union right now. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's drafting the, the ballot. <laughs> um, there's the United Steelworkers, who, of course, represent steelworkers. United Auto Workers, really powerful, representing, uh, of course, automotives. There's the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. They're employees of state, county, and municipal governments. There's Service Employees International Union, the Registered Nurses, uh, Professional Healthcare Fields. You know, I could go on and on. So, Mary, uh, there's a lot of different big unions out there, and these big sort of leading unions represent smaller different sectors, smaller different, you know, uh, branches of unions. So, um, I don't know who else, what other companies the... RWDSU, the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union represents. I'm sure that's a quick Google search away, but um, the folks here at Amazon must have chose to go with that union, right? And yeah, so I guess I was just curious, you know, I'm sure that union representatives have some kind uh, or probably a lot of experience working against companies that really don't want them to be there. But I, I just wonder, you know, how many other companies have the kind of efforts that Amazon has or have the kind of money to, like, propagate anti-union sentiment in their workers to, to this extent. And I wonder if they've worked with other major companies that have done the same thing or if this was if this is something that's relatively new to this union. It's more out of curiosity. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. My guess would be that there that most companies, especially large companies, would behave this way towards unions and that they use their vast amount of resources to squash unionization efforts. And that immediately leads me to the question of why. Why would companies be so anti-union? Why would Amazon spend all of this time, garner all of this press, spend all of these all of this money to prevent unionization efforts? Now, if you look at the language of what they sent to their employees, they were saying, well, don't have your money be wasted. We don't want you to pay hundreds of dollars to a union that's not going to really benefit you. Why would you want to join a union when we offer great pay? You know, we're paying $15 an hour. That's way above the $8 minimum wage or whatever it is in Alabama. You know, oh, golly, we're so generous, $15 an hour. Alabama might be one of those states that doesn't even have a minimum wage. <laughs> they might be. There's two of them. I don't know. Um, we covered minimum wage a few weeks ago, and I, I forgot what Alabama's minimum wage is, but it's probably not $15. And so, you know, Amazon says, well, we already have a high minimum wage. We have health care. We have paid time off <laughs> for some of you, <laughs> you know, we have an on-site medical team. So when you drop a box on your toe, we'll cut it off immediately. You don't have to worry. No, <laughs> we have a bathroom that you can't use. <laughs> Here's this bottle, right? So all these great things about being part of Amazon. Um, I, it doesn't, 
I don't buy the argument that like employees or employers, Amazon cares so much about its employees' well-being that they're trying to tell them not to form a union because they think it will lessen their material well-being, right? Anybody, but, anybody who buys that argument is an idiot. Yeah, I just, I don't find that plausible. There's a reason why Amazon didn't want this to happen. There's a reason why no matter what union, like some of the people in the articles that were interviewed, they said things like, oh, it just doesn't make sense for us to join this particular union. Hmm. It doesn't matter what particular union it is for Amazon. In any situation, in any union, uh, in, any, in any vote to join any sort of union, this is the outcome that Amazon always wanted. Right. And, and why is that? Why would these companies be so scared against unionization? I mean, the only answer that seems to make sense to me is it would threaten their power. Because they're founded on exploitation. <laughs> ah. They just want to take advantage of people. That's so, how they build their wealth. So it would lessen their ability to extract as much profits as possible by having then to pay their workers more, by having to give them greater benefits, by being unable to willingly fire them whenever they want to right that that's what i think makes more sense matt even though the company might not say that is well they'll never admit that because they're not bad people they care about the people that work for them yeah they're not exploiting them it's not like they don't pay them well it's not like their labor isn't valued yeah and, and i saw some reports from these from folks at the bessemer warehouse you know a few folks just in the news articles saying yeah you know i didn't i didn't vote to unionize because i'm fine 15 dollars an hour feels good to me i'm making a living you know we get health care on day one we don't have to wait a month for health care to kick in or whatever you know it's just it's all right for us and i'm i'm glad for those people if that works for them right if they can sort of live their life in a way that works for them if they feel healthy if they feel happy if they're fine doing their job, and if they feel like they're not being taken advantage of. Like, Here's the other thing. Working conditions can change. You know, Those things can be taken away, and part of being a union is having protection from something like that happening. Right. And so you know, if that's fine for those folks, that's great. But I would imagine that for the vast majority of people out there, it's not fine. $15 an hour is not enough to pay the bills. The constant fear of being fired at will or plant closing at will is too much anxiety for someone. You know, the, the work itself is draining and alienating and demanding. As we know, that many Amazon warehouse uh, facilities, it's incredibly repetitive, draining uh, work that will eventually just be automated out anyways, right? The only reason why these warehouses exist so far is because there is not yet technology for robots to, to do all of the packaging itself. There will be. 30 years from now, these probably won't exist. If we make it that long. Right. 30 years from now, these probably won't exist. So these jobs, you know, these jobs that we're fighting for unionization for, they're probably not going to be there decades from now, if that long, you know. So I, I'm glad if it works, but I think for most people it doesn't. And so what we have to recognize here, like, I always just wonder what is in Amazon's interest to really do all of these efforts to prevent unionization? Well, it doesn't make sense that it's got to be because they care about it with their workers so much and they just think, they literally think that they will be materially less well off under union than they are it's, under Amazon. It's literally so Jeff Bezos can continue to make $4,000 a second instead of $4,000 <laughs> every 10 seconds. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about Amazon's uh, incredible expansion in uh, profits the past year. But first, I believe we have a caller on Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Thanks for giving us a call. What's on your mind? You're on the air. 
Hello, everyone. This is Aaron from Queens. I have been trying to listen to the show, but I could not get it to play from either your website or TuneIn.com. So I don't know what the topic is, so I'm ready. You Aaron? guys hit me with it, and I will hit you with my red-hot opinion on the subject, whatever it is, immediately. Aaron, we always appreciate you calling in, especially when it's a grab bag, right? So we're, we're sorry that you're having <laughs> technical difficulties. You can find our live stream at our Facebook page, Radio EOD. I believe you can hear us through oh, there right. as you're well. Oh, that cool video now. Yeah, I right. forgot about that. I know you're outside of Rochester, so you might not be able to dial in on 100.9 FM. So, you know, any other efforts, whether mm-hmm. it's to tune in, sorry that's not working, but uh, try Facebook Radio EOD as well. But Aaron, we are talking about the failed efforts this week at the Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, for the uh, unionized employees voted not to unionize. And we went through all the different things that Amazon had did, done to try to prevent the unionization efforts. And we were just wondering uh-huh. why companies work so hard to prevent unionization amongst its employees. Okay. Uh, I have nothing to say about that. Stumped. <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire? Stumped <laughs> off the show. Yeah, <laughs> completely stumped. I've never heard of Amazon. What is it? Yeah. Uh, so... No. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, I heard a good comparison to it that it's sort of like the domino theory of U.S. politics, how we operated during the Cold War. You know, like one, one union plant isn't that big a deal to Amazon. But if if people see that, you know, one plant can do it, especially in the deep South and, you know, maybe the other uh, warehouses will follow suit. So they're probably looking at it that way. And I, I think, you know, you don't really have to analyze it from a, a particularly deep, uh, you know, a particularly intellectual or, or deep uh, standpoint. It's just, they want all the money and unions take some of the money from them and transfer transfer it to the workers. So, you know, it's not exactly rocket science. Why would they be opposed to it? It's obviously terrible and, and sad that workers need to go through this effort and fight not just an uphill battle, but essentially a Sisyphean battle, you know, to uh, get uh, any kind of union recognition at any workplace in this country. I know my uh, uh, partner, June, is... Uh, was active in the uh, still is active in the Hearst unionization effort and I think I told you this in private but I'll, I'll also say it now uh, or they, they gave into uh, none of their demands in the union contract you know they uh, got one union rec- recognition through a long battle they got NLRB to side with them and when yeah and they basically said you know you guys get nothing in the contract so you know, it's it's incredible the the work workers have to go through in this country to uh, get any benefits other than those the employers you know deign to hand them out at uh, uh, at hiring just you know based on pure market forces. And you know the instant that uh, the labor market starts crumbling or automation you know takes uh, full control, then uh, whatever minuscule benefits workers are being provisioned now are you know just going to be washed away but uh yeah it's just a sad situation really simps for billionaires is how i call it what you've got <laughs> people voting against the union <laughs> aaron thanks you're reminding us that we actually had your partner june on the air several months ago i think at this point talking about her efforts to unionize through uh through the her you know against the hearst corporation well not really against it's not always necessarily a struggle but within often, yeah, maybe within the yeah. right yep. right there's plenty of successful unionized companies out there that, you know, prove that uh, it's not 
an either or proposition. It's literally just like I was saying earlier, uh, the, these companies like Amazon and, and pretty much all uh, for-profit, especially publicly traded corporations in the world, they just want all of the money. You know, just almost all of the money isn't good enough for them or most of the money. They want all of it, all of the money and all of the power. So, yeah, obviously, if if every Amazon warehouse in the world unionized, Amazon would not go under. There's no way. You know, their product, people people like getting crap delivered to them in uh, like tomorrow. And, uh, you know, they they have tons of crap on their website and. I don't know, like it, it maybe prices would go up some fractional small amount across the board, but, you know, be balanced out by hundreds of thousands of workers around the world getting better and secure pay and, you know, not needing to do things like step over their workers' corpses uh, in order to meet their uh, quotas and pee in bottles, as we all know, happens. It's, you know, yeah, no, Amazon wouldn't be going away. They just wanted all of the money. That's it. And all of the power, not just money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because money, money is power. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's something that we haven't really gone into as much as, you know, I mean, I think tangentially we have, but I think part of the reason that companies are so anti-union is just because they don't want to give their workers a voice. Right. They yeah. don't want the workers and, to and have this power. Is you, this is where you have fundamental conflict between the market forces that we as a society have created, a publicly traded companies uh, like Amazon's goal is to maximize profit by any means necessary and unions stand in the way of profit. However, you know, we also have this compromise society set up where, well, we have union laws and you're as a, as a organization, as a firm, you're required to recognize unions. And it's like, well, you know, then they will do everything in their power, towing the line and in some cases crossing the line, feeling that they, where they can get away with it to stamp these out because the incentive system of the market is so strong, they essentially have no other choice. It's like you can't really blame Amazon for their actions here in the sense of how you can't really blame a lion for eating a gazelle. It's just the force of nature that we as a society have created to our own detriment to, to make society operate for us. Aaron, we always appreciate you calling in, even when you don't know what the topic is. You're, uh, you, you give a pretty good swing at it. I'll give you a heads up next week. We're going to be talking about the economy, so you have time to do your homework on <laughs> something economic related, all right? <laughs> I've never heard of the economy, but I'll do my best. Yeah, for not hearing of Amazon, you did a pretty good shot. Thanks so much for calling in, Aaron. Take care. So he's right. Amazon has uh, in, been incredibly profitable, even if... There were lots of unionization efforts across the entire country. Would they continue to be in business? I certainly think so. They now employ around 1.3 million people across the U.S. They are the second largest private employer in the U.S., only behind Walmart. Last year alone during the pandemic, they hired 400,000 people. It's just mind-boggling how many jobs that is. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that Walmart is still ahead of them. Yeah, for a number of employers. Yeah, I think yeah. just because more brick and mortar everywhere and they've been around longer, but we'll, yeah. we'll certainly see. Uh, we have to remember that Amazon has a much more diversified portfolio than Walmart, whereas Amazon we know is perhaps the one-click shopping online to buy a bunch of crap, as Aaron said. Uh, Amazon Web Services is huge. 
it provides a lot of cloud computing and uh, infrastructure for the internet age for, for even the U.S. government, but also a lot of private corporations. Previously, uh, place, uh, websites as diverse as Parler. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, boy. Indeed. So last year alone, the revenue was up nearly 40% to uh, have a revenue of $400 billion a year. Jeff Bezos, their CEO, who's now stepping down as the CEO, but still retaining his leadership as, I don't know, some God other... King Emperor of <laughs> Amazon. Right. I think that's Elon Musk's literal title in Tesla. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what he changed it to. But Jeff Bezos' net worth uh, increased by $70 billion alone last year. So, Matt, you were right earlier that he makes almost $4,000 a second. Um, I that that's a lot of money. Uh, uh, he needs that money <laughs> to um, uh, further his research on um, uh, developing psychokinetic abilities in uh, <laughs> young children who have been <laughs> abducted from their families. But but remember that he pledged ten billion dollars of his own wealth to help fight climate change through his own institutions that he's forming. Whereas if we had simply taxed him more, the government would have tens of billions of dollars from just him alone and be able to use that in a much more egalitarian, socially beneficial way. That's just, that's just from one billionaire, by the way. So ten billion dollars from Jeff Bezos, by the way, is like uh, is like somebody like me like paying a hundred dollars for a, a dinner one night. It's like, oh, is it's a night even a hundred dollars? Well, I mean, technically, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if he's worth around two hundred billion, ten billion is one twentieth of his wealth. But his wealth changes all the time, thanks to mainly being through uh, stocks and feelings, right? <laughs> Indeed. So, hey, what a week for this uh, unionization effort. There was a lot of coverage of it, and it did not turn out in favor of unionization. I don't want to say in favor of the workers. You know, I'm biased to think that unions in general are good for workers. Sometimes it's too good for workers, as we've seen locally with the Locust Club, you know, the police union. A lot, of, a lot of people are angry at the teachers union. A lot of people can be angry at the police union. A lot of people can be angry at unions in general, to say, you know, so on and so forth. So the rich conversations to be have here, but in general, I'm of the opinion that unions are a force for good when it comes to looking out for labor rights, which are so often and trampled on by the forces of capital, especially in this age of rampant free market capitalism and egregiously high income and wealth inequality and egregiously low guaranteed material benefits, which unions can help to rectify. And just for all of our listeners who are actually wondering what Jeff Bezos's new title is, it is the executive chairman, while Elon Musk is the techno king right. of Tesla. That was the techno king. Man, we got to come up with cool titles for the show. I'm just the host of Evidence of Design. Matt Treadwell is just a co-host. And Mary Lawrence is also just a co-host. And sound design. Engineer. Right. We'll have to, and Matt's our resident reporter on the ground from wherever we deem him to be an expert of. Yeah, I'm an expert of so many topics. <laughs> you're, you're like Aaron from Queens is calling in on whatever. <laughs> just yep. always works well. Um, so, hey, folks, really appreciate you tuning in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester, joining us in discussions every week to uh, push back against economic inequality, push back against the unrivaled power of corporations, and advocate for social justice in its myriad forms, mainly through economic justice, which we believe will trickle into other aspects of life, such as through race and gender as well. We'll see where this goes with the object uh, the objection by the 
retail, wholesale, and department store union against Amazon. We'll see where that goes. If you get onto their website, it is the main topic right, right. now. Yeah. So this will still be in the news. We'll be sure to follow it. In the meantime, you can always stay in touch with Evidence of Design, checking out our past episodes on YouTube at Radio EOD. No, that's not right. Our YouTube channel is Evidence of Design. So search for us, Evidence of Design, on YouTube. You have to be specific with your search. Don't be discouraged if we don't come up. YouTube, we're just not ranked high enough yet. Those darn <laughs> algorithms. Evidence of Design, episode 1 through 137. You'll find us on there. You can also stay in touch with us throughout the week on social media. Radio EOD is our Twitter and Facebook handles. And all of our episodes are available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for WXIR for being a great platform for grassroots community radio here in Rochester. Thank you, listeners, for taking time to engage in something that perhaps stretches your gray matter a little bit. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joined with Matt Treadwell. So long. And Mary Lawrence. See ya. Be well, be safe, take care, and bye-bye.